Why would you look outside yourself when you have all of the world inside? Welcome to Hot Takes, where you get a sneak peek into this week's Patreon exclusive interview. In today's hot take, Kent and Dick and I discuss the value of celibacy for priests and the struggle that pastors have in feeling connected to their own church. We got onto the topic when Kenton jokingly tried to draw me into a debate by claiming that he thinks all priests should be celibate. Enjoy. You see, I think priests should be celibate, Yuri. Yeah, well, (laughs) maybe you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay, great. I just had a big fight with my wife, so... uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the church... Really if, value celibacy to the point of divorce. If uh, if I could just be away for a couple of days, <laughs> um, Try yeah, to that's a, well, that's a huge, interesting topic. That's a huge, interesting celibacy? topic. Well, it's yeah, well, it's not that. I mean, obviously, it's not a big deal in Orthodox Christianity. We've just sort of that's priests can get married as long. The one rule is you have to get married before you get ordained, right? You the idea yeah. is you shouldn't be looking for a wife. In your congregation. Yeah, (laughs) Um, and I totally get that. But uh, what's interesting is my, so my dad was a Ukrainian Catholic priest that became Orthodox. And I have family of, uh, I have two uncles, I have three uncles, two of whom are Ukrainian Catholic priests. One is a Ukrainian Catholic deacon. And I know that they've had to deal with the pressure from the Catholic Church to be celibate. But because they're married Priests and in the Ukrainian Catholic tradition, you're allowed to be married because you're following the more or- orthodox style, even though you belong to the Pope. And and they've received a lot of pressure from their peers within the Catholic Church. Um, so I know it's been harder for them, but it's 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 easier for Orthodox. We don't. But most of the time, when I tell people, "Yeah, I'm a priest, but we can get married," and I'm married, they go, "Yeah, I like that a lot better." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, and I mean, know that the uh, like the Mennonites would be totally for that as well. I mean, I, I think that they would see the negatives in celibacy, enforced celibacy, more than the positives. But I do think, as I've grown, I can see some of the positives. And mm-hmm. one of the conversations mm-hmm. we can have in the future is a conversation I was having with my dad today. Which, by the way, I defended my dad a lot in this and, and made him sound like a great guy. I do think he is a great guy, but I'm not just like, my dad's perfect. And uh, Well, I thought you were going to say, uh, like, I, I do not think it. my dad is a great guy. <laughs> no, I do. I really do, and I think he's a good pastor. We have theological differences. And, and and yeah, so, but I, but I defended it. But a conversation we were actually having today was about the uh, rotation of priests, pastors, etc., Mm-hmm. So I, I believe, I don't know the numbers, but I, I know that in the Catholic Church, priests, especially at, at uh, the church size that we would have, would be appointed, and they would be there short term. Yeah, it depends on um, the... Uh, by design. Yeah, it depends on the diocese and everything, but you are yeah. definitely appointed by the bishop. Uh, in the Orthodox Church as well, you're appointed by the bishop, mm-hmm. and in an ideal situation, the congregation and the bishop are on the same page. That's the that's the ideal world, but but the power lies with the bishop to appoint, yeah. and uh, in 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 orthodoxy as well, the bishop can just say, you know what, you're the priest in Vancouver now, like you're yes. you're you're just that's you are now attached there, go fly out there, you're you're that's where your job is now, and, yeah. and in orthodoxy, it's not unheard of that that happens, and what happens when you have a family, 
with your wife yeah. has a your wife has a job here or you just had your your kids just it, it it's like September the 18th your kids are in school you got to call I've reassigned you yeah what do you do we were, right it's exactly it's, it, it would be a lot easier if you were a single male and that's what we were discussing yeah. so that makes sense in that setting when you're doing that and when you value and I think the the reasons they go there is to have a more objective and more uh, and less and and to have your view less marred by your relationships that you've built over 12 years that you've been at the church mm -hmm. where you can be a support for somebody as a representative of God's church purely as a representative of God's church not not as a guy who also has hung out with you for years and our kids play ball together um, so there are some benefits to that system that we kind of forget about a lot of the time. And we were discussing this and we were discussing celibacy and also my dad was talking about, it. so it used to be far more common in the Mennonite church or Mennonite churches and in our conferences, et cetera. Pastors, there was a lot more movement of pastors. Uh, pastors would be at a church for five, six years and then they would go to that church and somebody else would be here. And that's just kind of how it worked. That has happened less, significantly less, for a few reasons. One of them, it's not as pressured. People aren't saying, hey, you shouldn't be in that church for so much longer. But also, in addition to that, we live in a modern era. Women have jobs, careers. They mm -hmm. have families. Mm -hmm. They used to always have families, but you could up and leave, you could up and move your family. But, oh my goodness, my wife has been, you know, she's been building her career. Mm -hmm. As it, I think it should be. I think that that's great. But it does make just the up and move for the man's job pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And so that's become less of a thing. And, and so we were just discussing all of these things and, and uh, I'm, I'm taking it a more of an, an incidental way approach in that I don't, I don't have like a, that's the way to do it so much as I, I can see why people have gone those directions. Almost always something was there to fix another problem. And usually we forget what the original problem was. And then we say, well, this is dumb. Let's get rid of this. And then it's like, oh, that's why we got, oh, I see. Um, we forget about a lot of those things. That happens in all parts of life. But usually there's a problem that was fixed. And uh, I, uh, There's one thing that me and my wife have recently realized, which is, so I, I am now the priest. I got my letter of assignment today, actually, Kenton. Um, no, congrats. I, I, thank you. I, I've, I've been officially assigned to the St. Maria of Paris Orthodox Mission in Hamilton, Ontario. Okay. Uh, yeah. which is newly established, which is really great. Yeah. But one of, the, w one of the ways that we are establishing all the policies of the church, the bylaws, the, the, the budget, everything, is we're establishing it not understanding that it's just Father Yuri, mm -hmm. right? Like we're, we're establishing it in a way that if I leave tomorrow, the church is going to be fine. Mm -hmm. it, it's, the church is not dependent on my personality being there. Right. Yeah. And, and but what that made what that made us realize we're, we've been slowly coming to terms with the idea that as a priest and as a pastor, you have to be two things at the same time. One is prepared to leave tomorrow from yeah. the church. The other thing is act as if you're going to spend the rest of your life at this church. Yeah. You need to be wholly committed while being ready to leave tomorrow. It makes me think of uh, athletes. Mm -hmm. 
where you'll have a guy play for a team and then he gets traded and he plays for his new team the same way he played for his old team with the same fervor and passion you should. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that case, then you then hate your other team. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite the same, but uh, yeah, that's very, very interesting. Yeah, it's a very tough place to be emotionally. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, because that's a challenge. At, like emotionally, I have to be ready if the bishop says, Father Yuri, there's a need for you in such and such a place. Would you be willing yeah. to, you know, consider the move? Or And that's if he's being nice, right? If you're willing to consider the move. He can say, you're going there. Yeah. I We have to be emotionally prepared to accept that and, and to be obedient to that. What I find very interesting about that is it's so physical. And I say that because when I look at my dad and, and, and the life I've had as a, as a pastor's kid, it has been like that, but more spiritual. And that's not a, a good or bad thing. In fact, it's, it's less, it's more confusing because my dad has always said, I want to be where God, where I think God wants me to be. And I want to be attuned to that. And that was one of the reasons we moved to Blue Creek was because he felt he knew about the the opening there. There had been an opening there for a while. The, the the conference had been looking for somebody to be there. And he felt that God was calling him in that direction. And like I mentioned earlier, he knew it wasn't a good financial decision. We sold our house in Rhineland for $80,000. I think when we moved back four years later, it was worth one hundred and twenty-five. You know, like it wasn't a good financial decision. We, we, we The entire time we lived in Belize... We didn't quite make enough money to not pull a little bit from savings every year. So it was not a great financial decision. It was not a good decision on all those fronts, but he fully believed that that was where God wanted him. And I think if you would ask him today, he believes that that was the right calling, that he followed that correctly. Um, And I think it's true because if I look at that, I think that we were there in a time of transition for that church that really helped the church find and I'm not saying that as if like we did that, but because we were the outsiders at the right time, we were able to help the church kind of move into a, into a new a phase that they needed to go that maybe they, they, they you needed an outside voice that was going to leave eventually. That wasn't going to hurt anyone's, or it was going to hurt people's feelings, but he wasn't going to be here in four years. Right, yeah. So you need, so that was, a. I think, I think you would say that. But it, it was one of those things where it's not, it's not a bishop that tells me to do it. It's I get fired, so now I have to find a new job. Or I genuinely feel called to this. And then it's far more deciphering of like, what do I think God's calling me to? Is this just me wanting to do this? Is me wanting to do this how God's speaking to me? Is that just how that's working? Because that could very easily be. It's just so much more complicated in some ways. But um, it's just different. It's interesting. Because I, I remember hearing people talk, my dad talk about that that lack of uh, firmness to where we are because where we are could change because God could take us anywhere. The Prying Priest is a social media free podcast, so any word of mouth recommendations you can make to your friends and family about this show would go a long way. Looking forward to seeing you next time. Say why would you look outside yourself when you have all